welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I am joined by Diane Burrows, author, showrunner and TV sitcom writer. Welcome to The Divorce Club. So how does it feel when I say to you, you're in The Divorce Club? It feels fabulous. Well, that's lovely. Uh, It feels freeing. (laughs) Um, So how long have you been in The Divorce Club? Eight years. Right. So you've had some time to kind of settle into it. So where were you in the world and in your life when the divorce happened? We were 24 years into a relationship. We had met in Chicago, moved out here to pursue our dream of being sitcom writers. And we did pursue that dream and achieve it. And at that time, we were working very hard on a show. And, but he started going out like one night a week to just blow off steam. He said, he just, you know, going from work to home and back to work. And so I thought nothing of it. And I was like, sure, go see your friends, have fun. But as time went on, he started coming home later and later. And then it became like 2.30 in the morning, I'd hear the garage door open and it would wake me up. And I would go downstairs and say, like, where have you been? And you woke me up at the garage door. So his solution was to park in the driveway. Don't open the garage door. So he could then come home whenever he wanted. Well, sure. There's a red flag for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, not, not come home earlier and stop doing that. It's just find a way to still be able to do yes. it. Yes. Sure. Yes. So um, obviously I knew something was wrong. I asked, would you like to go to counseling? Would you you know, what's going on? 
and he really would not talk to me. And as time went on, he would not look me in the eye. We live in the same house. He would not look at me. I would be standing two inches from him saying, what is going on? Nothing. And then uh, we were working one weekend from home and I was hungry. He was hungry. We had nothing in the house. Do you know that he went home? He went out and he bought one sandwich for himself and he came home and ate it on the kitchen counter. And I was like, excuse me, um, I'm here too. Did you think of getting me something to eat? Like maybe I might be hungry. And that was when I knew uh, one of many, many signs that the love was gone because who doesn't, you know, call from the deli and say, what do you want? (laughs) And how did that feel? You say he wouldn't look at you. How did that feel at the time? It was very confusing. I didn't know if he was having uh, a midlife crisis, a mental breakdown. I just didn't know what was going on. Um, was it male menopause? You know, I, I really, really, I didn't go to the, you're being cheated on thing at all because I could not imagine this person that I've known all this time doing that because when we got together and he initially moved in he was only 23 and I was 26. So he was younger than I, And uh, I'd been on my own for a long time. He moved in straight from his parents' house. And I always worried that he would hold it against me, that he didn't get to have like his version of the college years or something, the sowing of the oats time. And way back then, I don't know what possessed me, but I said, there's just one thing. If you ever cheat on me, you must tell me. Because my horror is that everybody else knows and I don't. And flash forward, and that is exactly what he did. He cheated on me, and other people in our industry knew about it, didn't tell me. And that is still, you know, a wound. (laughs) Um, You know, it's it's healed pretty good, but it's still so shocking because it's so out of character for this person that I thought I knew. And so that was when I realized this is not the same person. This is not the person that you knew. This person's capable of anything. You don't know what it is. And so um, I just sort of continued on this treadmill. We both did of, you know, going to work and then him going out and me going home alone and going to bed and wondering when he was coming home. And then, He would sleep downstairs in the guest bedroom and I would get up in the morning and get to work early and he would come later after his shower or whatever. And it was, we started coming to work in two separate cars and people noticed that, (laughs) you know, and, um, so time went on and on. And then, um, eventually He had sort of a mental episode at work when we were in the middle of a work day. And he said that he was having pains all over his body and he's like poking at himself. I want you to take me to an emergency room. Well, 
I said, what is really going on? And he had moved out, was living with a friend who was getting married. And he knew that he had to get out of that house because his wife was going to move in. And he said, I don't know where I'm going to go. I, I don't know what to do. And so I know this is codependency plus, Samantha, but I got on the internet. I found him a long stay, fully furnished apartment in the hip part of town. And I made him an appointment. And I said, they have a, 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 an apartment. You can go tomorrow at 8 a.m. And I found him the place to live after he left me. And he moved into that apartment. Yeah, I guess you were fixing, smoothing over the situation. Yeah, I didn't know what else to do. And how was that? Because at that time that you found him that apartment, you said he'd already moved out, but you were still working together. But your husband of 24 years had left you. So you couldn't escape him. Well, I can't, because I didn't want to see, when I broke up with my husband, I was like, I can't see you for a long time now. I can't imagine seeing them every day. Yeah, he left on a Friday. We worked together on a Monday. That Monday. I just, you know, put myself into that mode is that we're under contract. You know, we have an agency and all of these other legal things. And I, I can't just not show up. Um, and so he, uh, the other really weird thing is, you know, he left with just one overnight bag and left me with all of his clothes, his toothbrush still on the sink. And uh, about, and he would not come and get his things. And it was very confusing to me, Samantha, because I was like, well, if he's with her, why won't he restart his, his life? why is he, is he thinking that it's not going to work out or like, I don't understand what's going on with him, but since he would not talk to me about the breakup, I was never going to get an answer to any question that I asked him. So long story short, uh, that first year after he left and we were still working together, Valentine's day was approaching my first Valentine's day. And so I thought, I think that's a good reason to, so I emailed him and said, and I know this is dramatic. If I wake up on Valentine's day and your clothes are still in the closet, I'm going to jump off the balcony. Wow. Yep. That was what it took. That was what it took. And was that, was that email metaphorical or did you mean it? I didn't mean it. I'm not dealing with a normal person. So I can't go a normal route that two adults who have broken up would go. I can't. It doesn't work. Obviously, it's been like nine months. He still hadn't come for his things. It's so funny because my breakup was similar in that we had, um, he didn't, it was, there wasn't cheating. We just had a conversation that we were breaking up, but then he left with a bag and then sort of came, he came back for some things, but I had the majority of his belongings for like two years, nearly a year and a half until I, I still had all his belongings in the house that I was then paying the mortgage for and everything until the uh, divorce was official and all signed and all sorted. And it got to that. And I put it all away in a cupboard 
But yeah, it got to the stage when I was like, when is he? And obviously life was a bit weird because it was lockdown and everything at the time. But I was like, when is he going to come and collect the stuff? Why doesn't he want this stuff? Because there was like official documents in there and stuff. And it got to the stage where I was talking to a friend about it. And, and I was like, I could just, you know, get rid of it, but I don't want to be mean. But I also don't really want to see him now because it's been so long. So I don't want him to come over into what is now my house. So I actually messaged him and I said, you need to organise a courier to come and collect your things this week. Book it. Let me know which day. I can't do Wednesday. So I just (laughs) made it like really straightforward. Um, And he actually responded and did it. I was so surprised. Wow. Wow. I'm glad that worked for you. It it sounds very what, normal. <laughs> did the balcony thing work for you? It kind of did, but uh, so he then, of course, said he didn't know how to find a moving van. And I said, ask your girlfriend. Maybe she can help you because <laughs> I had had it. <laughs> and um, so he finally you know, the day came and, you know, this, he, even the night before he still didn't have a moving van, but then that morning, uh, he did show up late and because he wouldn't tell me what he wanted, Samantha, I had made an, uh, a list of every item in every room and I'd emailed it to him and said, you need to tell me what you want to take. So when you're, because I'm leaving. I'm not going to watch you move out. So tell me what you want from the living room. There's a couch, there's a chair, there's a TV set, there's this artwork, there's these ceramics. What do you want? And I did an inventory of every single room. I sent it to him and I said, please mark the things. I will mark everything that the movers need to take with a blue post-it note. So the night before he came, I put blue post-it notes on every item in the whole entire freaking house of what he was going to take so that I could leave. So you're still doing a lot of the work there. Yes. I'm being left and it's, he's kicking and screaming, even though he's the one who left. (laughs) He will not do anything. He will not lift a finger for this breakup that he caused that he so dearly wants. I guess I'd have to ask a shrink about that. (laughs) (laughs) So how did you, how did you find out that he was cheating? Because you said that it wasn't something that you would have ever thought of, you know, you were together for over 20 years and other people in the industry knew. The intimacy stopped completely. And that was my biggest clue. Because, you know, that's obviously not how most men live their lives, completely celibate uh, in their, you know, mid to late 40s. So, um, you know, it just completely stopped. There was no affection of any kind. So, but did he tell you or did you have to drag it out of him? Oh, he never has told me to this day. Wow. He's never spoken to me. And so... I mean, what I heard happen was that that marriage lasted a year. And then, and, I, and then someone told me about last year or two that he 
has a daughter who's like one or two years old. So he must've found someone else. I'm assuming he married that person or something. I don't, I really don't know anything about him or his life at all. He completely walked out of our lives. Wow. Mm -hmm. And how did it feel? Because you said at the beginning of that relationship, when he moved in, you said, if you ever cheat on me, you have to tell me. And he still hasn't told you. Is that something that stays with you? I've let it go. I have to let it go. I can't live my life in anger. I want to live my life in happiness and joy. And so I call it the look back. I've, I've gotten rid of the look back. I had to stop it. I had to stop, you know, <laughs> trying to, you know, forensic this relationship, looking for the fingerprints, you know, because none of it matters. He's left. He's not coming back. He's restarted his life. I must do the same. I must choose happiness. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. And good words of advice, I think. So how did you start that recovery process? You know, he was in this new flat with his girlfriend. All of his stuff's now gone. How did you separate the work and also recover yourself personally? Well, uh, I asked to be part-time as far as work went, so I didn't have to see him in all those awkward moments. And um, we did our work completely separately and would split, split up the scripts. And, um, and then I just, I found out about a dance exercise group at my gym. And it was free and I went in there and I just loved the instructors. They were a husband and wife team and they were so happy and positive and motivating. And these two individuals, in, as years went by, um, they opened up my world. And back then, the people, oops, people were doing, back then people were doing flash mobs and they as part of their business, did flash mobs. And so we would do all of this rehearsal. Then we'd show up at a shopping mall at like 10 a.m. on a Saturday. There'd be a hundred of us and shoppers would just be shopping. And then the music, the mall music would stop and our music would come on and we would all just start dancing all over the mall in the balconies and the storefronts. And, um, you know, some people would cry. They were so filled with joy that a hundred people were dancing out of nowhere that they would be crying. It was really incredible. And it made me more of a citizen of the world. And we did about eight of these, all different places. And first of all, I got really in shape practicing because <laughs> we had to practice for hours. We would have five hour long practices. And it was just so much fun. And I made friends. I made some really good girlfriends and we started to do things. And that was the beginning really of the opening up of my world. And also just realizing how physical exercise helps me mentally tremendously. Yeah, that's so true. I have anxiety and Sometimes I just want to hide away in my house, but even just going out for a walk, I always feel better, just like getting my body moving. But I love the idea that you just suddenly got into flash mobs, <laughs> like out of your divorce as a recovery technique. That's amazing. And you said you made new friends, because I think I found that 
divorce and obviously that separation can be really lonely and you have to sometimes separate a lot of your friends with your you know your ex get some of your friends in the um in the divorce did you find that and what did you find was useful from friendships at that time I basically lost all my friends all of them because a lot most of them were couple friends and we used to do couple things and for some reason you know they just all stopped returning my calls it's like hey this thing happened to me but we can still go see a movie like I was completely blindsided by the fact that the phone just never rang again. And, um, you know, one of the people I thought was my friend um, actually emailed me and said, I've decided to choose him in the. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Breakup. Wow. I'm, they emailed you to say that. Yeah. I'm going to be his friend. You know, I don't. How did that it, uh, I, feel? I was stunned. I was stunned because this is a woman who, like, I babysat her son on and off for an entire summer and took him to movies and stuff. Like, I was in their family unit as their go-to babysitter person. And they totally trusted me. And, and then she just said, she's choosing him. And so, uh, of course, who needs friends like that? Like, I'm like, well, adios then because, but we've been friends for about seven years. It's so hard because it's like divorce. People think, oh, you've lost your husband or wife. But actually, you lose so much more than that. You know, sometimes you lose your house, your possessions with blue post-it notes on. And and yeah, really kind of long built up friendships. So what do you think? After losing friends like that. Was it easy to make new friends? And and did you did you look for specific things in new friends? Um, 
I didn't look for specific things, but the thing is, you know, there's a mindset. And once I opened up my mindset, I could let new people in. So I could go to, you know, a party at someone's home or a shower or whatever, and I could be chatting with the person next to me and exchanging numbers or making a future plan. Uh, you know, I, I met a young lady who sang in a, in like a quartet and I went and saw her perform and got to know all those ladies. And I just, you know, once I understood how fun it was to not be in seclusion, um, in the house of silence that I, you know, was going to have to figure out how to sell and all of that. Um, you know, I was much better off, but before that there's, there was other sickly codependent behavior on my part besides finding him a place to live because we were working together. He would email me and say, Oh, I'm running low on clothes. Can you bring me, you know, socks and underwear and these jeans and some shirts? And I did. I put it in my car and I brought it to work. I can't imagine doing that now. But the Diane then, who's still codependent, obviously, in the only relationship she'd had in her entire adult life. Uh, and I, and so eventually what I did was I found, I hired this kid that I knew as a breakup assistant because he would not speak to me. And this was, this process was taking forever. I paid this kid to box up his things and ship them to his new place via UPS. I love that. A breakup assistant mm. is what we all need. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he was also such a sweetheart. He was like in his 20s, maybe mid-20s. And um, there was photographs. You know, people used to take pictures and we had photo albums. And, of course, after 24 years, we, I had a lot of those. And... Um, at one point he brought out some of the old, you know, picture uh, things and my, the assistant and I burst into tears because I looked at our life together. We were young and we were, you know, we traveled, we went to England and in Ireland and places and, and I completely broke down in front of this kid. And I said, I'm going to go get myself a cup of tea. And I left. And when I came back, he had taken some boxes, put all the photos in there and wrote photos you do not want to look at. Oh, bless him. I know. That sounds lovely. I know. Yeah. It was such a sweet thing. Um, and so do you, have you ever found yourself since that time when you broke down? looking back at old photos because I I sometimes do this thing where I see an old photo and it brings a happy memory and I'm okay with it now but sometimes you know on like anniversaries or things like that there's there's like a self-punishment thing of like looking through old photos to make yourself cry do you uh, have you ever found yourself doing any of those things or do you just avoid them I really avoid them because um, part of my story is also that I, you know, I really fell down a rabbit hole because uh, my mental health was not, I was not doing well. I was not myself for a while, about two years after the divorce. 
and still working with him at that point. And I went to a doctor and I just said, I don't, I think there's something wrong with me. Like, I'm not sure what's going on, but I felt very isolated. And sometimes I I had trouble sleeping. Sometimes I didn't eat. Sometimes I ate too much. And I'm like, this isn't me. Like, I don't know what's going on. And so I checked myself in to a mental health facility. And uh, the first thing they did was get me a complete physical to make sure none of this was physical stuff. And I found out I had uh, high blood pressure and I was in perimenopause. So that's what part of this anxiety was and the sleeplessness and it was hot flashes. It was, you know, it was this combination of things, but I also did need, you know, to take some medication just to give myself a boost. And that was all done there under a doctor's care. And I was monitored very closely and all of that. And so it really was, uh, again, one of the best things I could have done for myself is I took a life pause and, um, you know, found someone to watch my house and I had insurance that would cover it. And I, I, it was so great because I was in a community of women and we, a lot of them were my age. A lot of them were going through the exact same thing, being left and cheated on, or just a straight up divorce and not knowing who they were after 25 or 35 years of marriage. And uh, as part of it, we did group things and we cooked our own meals in the kitchen and we planned the menu and we'd talk and laugh and play board games. And it was just like, I needed to, you know, get out of that sad, lonely house and seeing this person. But also I had some medical stuff, you know, that I didn't know. And it's, and that really helped me knowing that I needed to take a low dose antidepressant, um, at least through menopause and, and, you know, understand that I was going through menopause and what that entailed. And so that was also part of getting into the exercising. And I also took a yoga class. Because I found that uh, doing those yoga twists was like wringing out my solar plexus, according to my teacher. And that's where a lot of my pain was, my anguish. And so when I first started doing uh, yoga in his class, and I did do twists, I, tears would just flow. I was literally wringing them out of myself. And it was interesting to learn that I was physically carrying this you know, so I was mentally carrying it and I was physically carrying it and, uh, doing, you know, this yoga class again, I made friends (laughs) and I'm still good friends, you know, actually with the yoga instructor and his wife. So, you know, they were people that helped me through too. And if I was, and then there were other people, there were men that would burst out weeping during twists (laughs) and he would turn the lights down and, put on soft music and say, this is what's happening. It's so good that this is coming out of you now. You're wringing it out and and it's time. And I would come out of that class energized and refreshed (laughs) after like streaming wet tears. And uh, that was all part of the healing too. It's funny. I have some friends who are yoga teachers and they say that happens quite often you know, because we store emotion in different parts of our body. So sometimes people will do a yoga pose and burst out laughing or start crying or get really angry. And 
And it's a really weird thing. And I think it's really interesting because we've not really spoken on the podcast much about exercise as a kind of recovery. And so it's really nice to hear that this like joyful flash mob dancing and twisting in yoga really helped. It makes me want to do more yoga from home. Yeah. Um, But I think also, you know, thank you for sharing the your story about um becoming perimenopausal and actually I spoke to someone else on the podcast who um became perimenopausal after her divorce from the stress of it and then after a year she was sort of back to the way she was before so she'd come out of being perimenopausal and sort of her hormone levels had balanced again so do you think it was the stress of everything that brought that on the menopause on early. Yes, because I have three sisters and and I have an older sister and of course my mom and they had been through it and they had, my mom's menopause lasted six months and she was done. And mine from perimenopause through took years and years and years. And I still sometimes get hot flashes. So it's been a long time. It's really interesting because as a woman with, you know, um, female hormones and a uterus and all of those things, I don't actually know that much about menopause. Well, I have to agree with you. I went into my, my gynecologist and he had no answers for me. He said it was infuriating. He's like, well, you can take hormones, but there's a risk of cancer. Or you can do nothing and you can wait it out. What do you want to do? And I was like, but you're my doctor. Do you really not have any opinion on what I should do? (laughs) I was so mad. Yeah. And also it's like, wait it out for how long? (laughs) Is it going to be like a week or like the rest of my life? I know. It's been like a 12-year journey and, and, and they have no information. It's like women of a certain age, they don't do studies on us or something. We're just off the medical map. And we're on our own. And uh, all of my friends say the same thing. You know, some of them, you know, tried to go and take some sort of, you know, low dose hormone or some sort of natural remedy. I don't know. For a while, it was black cohosh. It's constantly changing. But, um, you know, evening primrose oil, all all these things. But um, they're on their own. (laughs) We're all on our own try this or maybe try that, or I don't know. Like, how are these medical doctors not the least bit interested in half the population is going to go through this and you're their doctor? Yeah, it's it's mad. So is there any, have you got any, now you've been through that, have you got any like need to know facts or things that you think would have been useful to know before? Educate me. (laughs) Well, now for the night sweats, I mean, uh, I slept with a fan in my room, but now they've actually invented cooling sheets and I have them on my bed still to this day (laughs) because the pillow was expensive, but it's, it, it did help me somewhat. It was like, my God, I, I was like a flame and, you know, I would be in a meeting and just have a hot flash and just sweating. So I learned to uh, invest in some headbands, (laughs) you know, like cotton headbands. 
uh, and I would wear it around my neck and nobody would notice. And then if a hot flash was coming, I would just like pull it up or I'd excuse myself and, and go into the ladies room and splash cold water on myself. And the other tip was I wore black shirts. So the stains wouldn't show. I love these practical tips. These are great. And so apart from the, you know, feeling like the sun during menopause, what else can I expect? Uh, I had weight gain and bloating. And, uh, you know, it just some days it looked like I was three months pregnant. I just really had a lot of bloating during that time. And I found out that I had had fibroids that had been growing in outside of my uterus. And as I went through menopause, they were all estrogen fed fibroids. So the less estrogen my body was making as I was on my journey, the more these things were going to shrink. And so I had to make a choice. A lot of my, my women friends just had full out hysterectomies because of this because they were having heavy bleeding or they didn't like you know, looking four months pregnant or whatever. But my doctor really believed that I could make it through without a hysterectomy because he said, that is major surgery. Like that's not a small thing. And I don't want to put you through that, you know, because I know these things are going to shrink and go away. So that was part of the journey too, just having like this tummy uh, for a while until eventually those things shrunk down, you know, and, and they're not an issue for me anymore, but also, you know, sex was painful, uh, with the fibroids, uh, for at least a year of this journey. And, uh, because they were on the outside, you know, so, and that's not something that happens to every woman, they grow inside or whatever, but, uh, that was just a choice that I made not to have that surgery on top of everything else I was going through. You mentioned there that sex was painful and we haven't talked about dating because you were in this marriage for such a long time, you know, 24 years, then you're going through a divorce, you're going through the menopause. How, how was dating for you? Did you date at that time? I didn't date for at least two years. I just really... With everything going on uh, and the way men of a certain age are, uh, you know, I, I tried, I tried match and it was a nightmare of creepy guys from other states and young guys looking for a sugar mama and, and they didn't hide it, you know. And it was really, it was gross. It was, it was sexually explicit sometimes from some of these young guys. And I'm like, I put in men 50 and older. So why are like 25 year old men responding to my match profile it was really creepy. Um, and I, I just did not have a good experience date wise on match. And so uh, I did, there was one man I met and we, I vetted him for two and a half months on the phone. Cause we got to that point where we'd been back and forth on match and we exchanged cell phone numbers. And then I talked to him for hours and hours, like two and a half months. And then we decided to meet for brunch on a Sunday at a local spot where it's always crowded, lots of people. So I met this man and he pulled up in a very nice sports car and he was dressed very nicely. And we had a brunch and it, you know, talking about our jobs and 
whatever. And then he said, would you like to go for a walk? I said, sure, you know, walk off our brunch. Well, we get outside the restaurant and he puts his arm around my waist and he pulls my body right up against the side of his body. And so I'm having to like walk in unison with his leg. And then he starts whispering in my ear that he is into S&M and he's been looking for an S&M virgin to indoctrinate into this world and that he has a dungeon in his house. This is a lot after brunch. Like you've got a full stomach. (laughs) You're like, oh, wow. Okay. A dungeon. Sure. Mm -hmm. And how he would like to. You know, we could start out with soft restraints, maybe a ball gag. And I'm thinking, why does this man think that I would possibly, possibly be interested in this? And he said that uh, he noticed on the books that I read that I had listed Fifty Shades of Grey. Now, this is when all women were reading Fifty Shades of Grey and Fifty Shades Freed because all the books came out. And we all lined up and saw the movie, right? It was just like a thing that women did. And there were 50 other books I listed that were not that. And never in a million years did I think listing this number one best-selling book that I happened to be reading would trigger this guy into thinking that I would be open to this. And so I was just, uh, we had this uncomfortable walk and he's whispering all this stuff. At any point were you like, Sure, I'll give it a go. No, I was 100% (laughs) freaked out. Okay. I do not want to be hogtied with a ball gag. (laughs) Fair enough. No, that's not romance. That's just not romance to me. So (laughs) uh, it was really just, I got like, you know, prickles on my skin. Like I was creeped out and I couldn't wait, wait for this walk to be over. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I think I squealed my tires. Like I could not get away from him fast enough. That is, that is a dating experience. The first dating experience that is, sounds quite stressful. Oh my, well, it's a good story, right? Yeah. I hope you had better ones after that. <laughs> um, but just to, just to round up, um, I always ask people for their best and worst moments. So I don't know if you can think of one, but like a lot of my worst moments during my divorce process are just like crying face down on the floor. Um, And then my best moments have been sometimes just like sitting in my garden with a cup of tea in the sun with my cat and just feeling like really content and like, oh, I'm happy. Everything's okay. Do you have those? Do you have any best and worst moments that spring to mind? I know the worst moment was... uh before he had officially moved out and things were going south, um, my best friend from college took his life. He hung himself. And someone I did not know was going through his you know, phone and called me and said, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but Jerry hung himself and um, I found him. And after that phone call, um, I laid down, talk about crying on the bathroom floor. I could not stand up. My limbs were like rubber. And I sobbed and I sobbed so long that I had tile marks on my cheek and my ex never came to comfort me. And I flew to his funeral alone without my partner who knew this was my best friend of my life since college. And 
his friends knew about me because we were best friends and he'd shared my life with them. And they were kinder to me than my partner was. I mean, they made sure I had some, they picked me up from the airport. They made sure I had water and something to eat. And they shared stories of, that he had told them about me all the years. And it was just um, such a loving thing after, you know, that horrible behavior of his. So that I could not believe that he was going to let me go through this by myself. So I guess, you know, he figured he could go out and party. I don't know. So that was really a, a low point. And the best point was I attended the Women's March on Washington in 2017. It was the biggest march ever. And I brought a camera, camera crew with me just because I had a feeling, you know, and Long story short, I have a documentary. I've been to all the women's marches, including 2020. And I always brought a film crew and I've, I've had my film in film festivals and I've gotten laurels and audience appreciation awards. And, and I've met, again, a whole nother group of people, really cool ladies of all ages. And, um, you know, it's just been really rewarding that I can add documentary filmmaker <laughs> to my list. <laughs> That's amazing. That's such a cool, nice moment of like, and career and personal life colliding as well. It's lovely. Yes. Well, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. This has been, yeah, brilliant. It's been so nice to chat. Where can people follow you online and find more information out about you and your documentary as well? Uh, Documentary is at biggestmarchever.com. And my website is left at 50.com. And the book is Restarting Your Life When You Are No Longer a Wife. And it's available on Kindle and Amazon. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, it would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, but also it affects our listing in the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com and we have a Patreon account, which means that you 
can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month. And it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90 style divorce and heartbreak chat room. And there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines. And please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.